Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She is our Florida State Senate President. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and uh, Linda Harden will be joining us as well. It is February the 20th, and on this day in 1962, from Cape Canaveral, Florida, John Glenn Jr. is successfully launched into space aboard the Friendship 7 spacecraft on the first orbital flight uh, by an American astronaut. Glenn, a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps, was among the seven men chosen by the National Aeronautics and Space Administration in 1959 to become America's first astronauts. A decorated pilot, he flew over 150 combat missions during World War II and the Korean War. In 1957, he made the first nonstop supersonic flight across the United States, flying from Los Angeles to New York in three hours and 23 minutes. Glenn was preceded in space by two Americans, Alan Shepard and virtual or Gus Grissom, and two Soviets. In April 1961, Kagurian was the first man in space, and his spacecraft of Vostok 1 made a full orbit before returning to Earth. Less than one month later, Shepard was launched into a space aboard Freedom 7 on a suborbital flight. In July, Grissom made another brief suborbital flight aboard Liberty Bell 7. In August, with the Russians and Americans still having failed to make an orbital flight, the Russians sprinted further ahead in space. Uh, when uh, Titov spent more than 25 hours in space aboard Vestok 2, making 17 orbits. As a technological power, the United States was looking very much second-rate compared to the Cold War adversary. And the Americans wanted to dispel the notion they needed to multi- multi-orbital flight before another Soviet space advance arrived. It was with this responsibility in mind that John Glenn lifted off from the launch pad at Cape Canaveral at 9.47 a.m. on the 20th of February. Some 100,000 spectators watched on the ground and nearby, and millions more saw it on television. After separating from its launching rocket, the bell-shaped uh, Friendship 7 capsule entered into the orbit around the Earth at a speed of about 17,500 miles per hour. Smoothing into orbit, Glenn radioed back, Capsule is turning around. Oh, the view is tremendous. During Friendship uh, 7's first orbit, Glenn noticed that he was described what he described as small, glowing fireflies drifting by the capsule's tiny window. It was sometimes later that the uh, NASA mission control <clears throat> determined that sparks were crystallized water vapor being released by the capsule's air conditioning system. Before the end of the first orbit, a more serious problem occurred when Friendship 7's automatic control system began to malfunction, sending the capsule into erratic movements. At the end of the orbit, uh, Glenn switched to manual control and regained command of the spacecraft. Toward the end of uh, Glenn's third and final last orbit, uh, mission control received a mechanical signal from the spacecraft indicating that the heat shield on the bottom and base of the capsule was possibly loose. 
Uh, traveling at an immense speed, the capsule would be incinerated if the shield failed to absorb and dissipate the extremely high reentry t- temperatures. It was decided by the craft's retro rockets. <clears throat> Usually, re- jettisoned before reentry would be left on in order to better secure the heat shield. Less than a minute later, Friendship 7 slammed into Earth's atmosphere. A lot of harrowing activity here just for three uh, loops around the world. During uh, Glenn's fiery descent back on Earth, the straps holding the retro rockets gave way and flapped violently by his window as shrouds of eons caused by excessive friction enveloped the spacecraft, causing Glenn to lose radio contact with Mission Control. As Mission Control anxiously waited for the resumption of the radio transmissions that would indicate Glenn's survival, he watched flaming chunks of retro rocket fly by his window. After four minutes of radio silence, Glenn's voice crackled through the loudspeakers at Mission Control and Friendship 7 splashed down safely in the Atlantic Ocean. He was picked up by the USS destroyer Noah, and his first words upon stepping out of the capsule in the, in the deck of the Noah were, It was hot in there. <laughs> he spent nearly five hours in space. Glenn was hailed as a national hero, and on February the 23rd, President John F. Kennedy visited him in Cape Canaveral. He later addressed Congress and was given a ticker tape parade in New York City. John Glenn, just a, a harrowing experience in outer space. Can you imagine the heat shield being loose? <clears throat> amazing, amazing thing. Well, the U.S. stock market reopened today after a long weekend, and everyone's uh, still talking about the Magnificent Seven. That's because, according to the new report from Deutsche Bank, profits at the seven tech giants are greater than the profits of all publicly traded companies in nearly every G20 country. And in terms of market value, they've been in second largest national stock exchange. They'd be the second largest stock exchange in the world. Can you believe that? Just seven companies. Goldman Sachs sees this uh, party lasting all night. It raised its 2024 target for the S&P 500 for the second time. Raising the target just makes me wonder about the the problem that's just in the background of uh, commercial real estate and the bubble that might occur. Nevertheless, uh, Goldman Sachs, raising visibility on uh, the S&P 500. Well, great story from the Epic Times. Florida is the most entrepreneurial state in the nation based on recent research examining the percentage of populations starting a new business, the percentage of startups still active after a year, and the number of small businesses per 100,000 people, and the growth of the rate of uh, business applications. <clears throat> the U.S. Central uh, Census excuse me, U.S. Census Bureau business formation data shows that Florida is leading the nation with 57,299 new business applications last month alone. Florida's rate of new entrepreneurship outpaced the more populated states of California, Texas, as well as quite large states of uh, New York and Pennsylvania. Florida's entrepreneurship and job creation boom is directly a link set of, uh, to policies implemented by the state, first to cultivate a, a rich macro environment, uh, designed to keep in inflation down and encourage uh, active participation of the workforce, and second, to catalyze small business development. Nearly three years after the enactment, in 2021 uh, legislative session, the following four uh, Florida business policies are proving extremely effective and should be implemented at other states. Home-based business, a fast-track building permit, uh, preemption of local licensing laws, and performance measures for workforce programs. Let's take a look at those. 
Very interesting. I can't imagine it with legislatures focusing on all kinds of things, why they wouldn't focus on this. It's working for Florida. Over half of all American businesses are home-based. Indeed, many successful firms such as Amazon, Spanx, uh, Minecraft, and Google were started by someone working out of their home. Uh, Home-based entrepreneurs not only keep their costs lower and enjoy greater quality of life, but they also create 64% of new jobs, according to the Small Business Administration. Home-based businesses enable financial independence for aspiring entrepreneurs across gender and race, while also helping to balance other responsibilities such as elder and young care. The Florida state legislation also removed barriers to business formation, such as local regulatory restrictions. Less successful states have a labyrinth of regulations on such minutia as industry types, floor space, and fee assessments. The Florida legislature also recognized that fast-tracking business permits can help open, and in many cases reopen, uh, businesses. It established an online status tracking process and minimum processing time for local government issuance of public uh, building permits. This new legislation includes refunds if local governments fail to issue timely permits. The result is that development costs are lower, uh, thereby encouraging business growth. By contrast, many states and cities without such focus and monitoring never meet their timeliness goals. The third prong is the uh, preemption of local licensing laws. Occupational licensing constitutes a 3 to 16% uh, tax on consumers and it's extremely arbitrary across states. Recognize that an occupational classification for health and safety reasons should be statewide to encourage consistent standards. The Florida legislature prohibited local governments from developing and enforcing any local licensing requirements. According to the uh, country, Egregious local licensing requirements are common, such as New York City's requirement for dog sitters and Detroit's requirements for window washers and landscape gardeners. Finally, Florida is committed to performance measures for workforce uh, programs that have created accountability to taxpayers and efficiencies for job seekers and the business community as a whole. Florida now requires state and local programs to use common intake forms and case management systems to simulate more efficient job search and replacement. Isn't that terrific? I mean, I think it's just great that we have this in place. It's only been in place for three years, and now we're leading the nation in terms of small business development uh, states and laboratory are states are the laboratories of democracy, the petri dishes, so to speak. Successful policies like Florida's four-pronged approach to fostering entrepreneurship are a canonical example. Ideally, these successes will be picked up and spread to other states. Let's hope so. Well, Texas is going to install a military base in the uh, border uh, city of Eagle Pass to curb the flow of illegal migrants allowed into the Biden administration, that according to Governor Abbott, he said on a press conference yesterday, the Texas military department is set to construct a Ford operating base on 80 acres of land across the Rio Grande that will house approximately 1,800 Texas National Guard officers and soldiers with the ability to accommodate an additional 500 Abbott's administration explained that the base will be equipped to respond to the open border chaos created by the Biden administration, complete uh, with recreational, chaplaincy, medical, and psychological health facilities. Texas is expanding our border security capabilities by building a new Texas military department base uh, to increase and improve border security operations in the area, Abbott said. 
This will increase the ability for a larger number of Texas Military Department soldiers in Eagle Pass to operate more efficiently and effectively. In the coming weeks, we'll also be expanding operations north and south of Eagle Pass, putting us uh, putting up additional barriers to fortify our border. We are also adding three more fan boats and expanding our drone program radar tr- uh, truck uh, capabilities, said uh, Ad- Adjunct uh, General of Texas, uh, General uh, Swazar. Under Government Abbott's leadership, we are deploying every available resource and strategy to protect and defend our uh, border. It's pretty good news all around. So very proud of what uh, Florida is doing in terms of entrepreneurship and developing new businesses. And now it looks like uh, Texas is uh, winning the war, so to speak, with the federal government about protecting its border. And I think that's all a good thing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Passanomo, our Florida State Senate President. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our Florida State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. Yeah, you're, I think you're a seventh of the nine-week marathon for a legislative session <laughs> this time. Yes, we are. So two weeks ago after this, right now we're in the middle of budget uh, negotiations uh, for the allocations for the for the silos, so we should have that um, we should have that those numbers ready by, by the end of the week. Which means next week the the separate budget committees with the amount allocated to their silo will be able to craft their budgets, particularly dealing with member projects. And uh, by the end of next week, we should uh, have it between the speaker and I to figure out where we are to where the landing is so that we could have the budget printed by the Monday of week nine so we can vote on Friday of week nine. Outstanding. And just for our listeners' benefit, the only requirement of the legislative session, as I understand it, is to have a balanced budget proposed for the governor's signature. That's right. Well, in in every 10 years, redistricting. But other than that, that's it. Okay, fantastic. So uh, I saw some news in the Florida's Voice. Uh, Florida Senate proposes $900 million tax relief package. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, every year we do a tax package, which um, includes um, provisions on um, either homestead-type exemptions for uh, constitutional amendment or sales tax holidays. So uh, we we have the traditional back to school tax holiday in the bill. That's a that's a 14 day period, uh, beginning I think the end of July for two weeks, um, and I think a, a lot of families look forward to that. We have uh, the disaster preparedness sales tax holiday. That's another 14 day period from June June 1st for two weeks. And then another, I mean, for one week, and then uh, August uh, 24th, so people could buy supplies like, um, uh, you know, coolers and portable power packs and uh, fuel tanks and batteries and fire extinguishers and small generators uh, with without sales tax, and that's pretty popular. Um, and then we have something we did last year, we're doing again this year, we, uh, the governor calls it Freedom Month which is a month-long sales tax holiday on recreational items. That's in the middle of the summer. Um, and there are things like uh, admission tickets to music, sport, cultural events, uh, and the like. And that's also good for tourism, um, so you're not paying sales tax on that. Let's see. There's um, the governor's uh, idea of the property insurance tax relief. As you may know, on our homeowner's insurance, there is a tax that's collected. Um, and remitted to the state, and it could be anywhere a couple hundred to five hundred dollars hmm. uh, on a on a property tax bill, and so we are we're giving a one year exemption from those, um, which you know I think we're trying to bring down some of the costs for property insurance. See what, what, um, so what I think. What I think I'm hearing is that uh, these. Uh, uh, reductions in, in costs are not necessarily renewable. In other words, they're there from year to year, and they're no, not continuous. Right. 
which I think is great because that uh, you're going to hit some obstacles sooner or later in the economy, and uh, you're going to have to deal with it. We yeah, we're also we're already seeing it. Uh, you know, as our expenses go up uh, higher and higher, particularly in K through twelve, um, it's you know for our K through twelve funding, you know the the um, uh, universal school choice bill, uh, which we all support, is very very expensive. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, K through 12 may end up outpacing uh, our health care expenses. So, you know, we've got to prepare for that. Isn't that interesting? The other observation I'll make is that these uh, tax, the tax relief you're providing is going to help. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the people that are paying, you have the least income that uh, will get the greatest benefit. In other words, it's not That's a progressive right. tax. It's, it's a regressive right. tax in a sense. It'll it, yeah, it'll help you know fam, young families, uh, particularly the back to school uh, holiday and the recreational uh, uh, tax holiday, and and then there are some business uh, reductions we're doing as well. The house is reducing the uh, business rent tax. Uh, we we're approaching it a little differently, but we're all we're looking at a holistic approach to um, while we have some additional funds to relieving. The pressure on our on our uh, our citizens. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I believe the governor was, and I think the state legislature was pushing uh, relief on tolls on toll roads. Is that still active? Yeah. Um, I think there's a few still out there. Uh, that was mainly, um, uh, you know, for during the COVID period. Yeah. Um, and I think there may be one or two that are still there till the end of this year. Um, but once again. We have to look at it every year to see whether whether or not we can afford it. Absolutely. Again, Kathleen Pasado, our Florida State Senate President. I think you're doing a fabulous job. And so, so thank you. Pleased that you are representing us and representing all of Florida. So I really appreciate. It. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, 
the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections. I hope you vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Cuyahoga County, Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin, and a terrific weekly guest here on the Bob Harden Show. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's my pleasure, Bob. And uh, I think we have missed the big wave, but right now in 2024... They have what's happening, it's called the silver tsunami. Hmm. In other words, in 2024, over 4 million Americans will turn 65. Wow. Well, that is interesting, isn't it? Because we are an aging population here in the United States, except, of course, the illegal immigrants. Well, yeah, I don't think they're counting them. Yeah. Uh, But... That's that to reduce it to ridiculous. That's 11,000 people per day that uh, will turn 65, and they will do that through 2027. Wow! So we are an aging, we are going to be an aging population, a lot like Japan. Yeah, uh, but you know, these 65 year olds. You know, it used to be in our generation, boy, you retired at 60 or 65. Not anymore. A lot of these young, I don't know, are they baby boomers? I don't know what you call them. I think they are baby boomers if they're born after 1946. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they're using age 65 as just the beginning of thinking about retirement, not going into retirement. There's a lot that they want to do. They don't necessarily have the pressure to retire. They're much healthier. Um, They're much more physically active. They're babysitting. I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff. They're real involved in sports. And so uh, even in how many people get hip replacements, Mm -hmm. do you know what the average age for a hip replacement is? No idea. 65. Really? Yep. Used to be 66 in 2000, and now 2024, it's 65. So the information you're giving us is it's kind of a reason to celebrate becoming 65 because people are more active and doing things that they want to do, perhaps haven't been doing all their life and now have perhaps have the means to do so. I wonder, though, how many people are continuing to work simply because they have the financial necessity, the economy and the inflation and all the things that have been going on. Is That's another factor. Oh, I think there's still a lot of people that aren't, that aren't going to give up work out of 
<clears throat> economic necessity, I think that they have to, but they're also traveling more. Yeah. They have a higher quality of life. Um, I don't know. It's a good time to be older. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, now, does 65 seem old, seem young to you? Seems very young. How about you, Boo? Yeah, how do we get older? And <clears throat> they're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just uh, very grateful to be alive, first of all. That's that's the first consideration. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's just really interesting. We have an aging population. Of course, it has financial implications, doesn't it? Because there's more and more past the age for Social Security and uh, Medicare and, uh, you know, all these things uh, add additional expense uh, to uh, to the taxpayers, and uh, we have fewer and fewer people who are supporting that effort. In other words, who are paying the taxes. So the consequence is it's going to lead to some real financial issues here in our country. Well, I think so. Isn't that happening in China as well? It certainly is happening in Japan. It is indeed. Uh, aging population. We're fortunate here in the United States that uh, we actually have immigration, and we expect and want immigration now, my opinion, it should be legal immigration, and we should be picking and choosing the people that are allowed to come here and into the United States. We want to make sure that they can make a contribution. We're not doing that right now with the illegal immigration that's going on, but irrespective, we've got to be very grateful that we have a population that can grow because of immigration, unlike China, Japan, and other countries around the world that have a pretty monogamous uh, population. Well, you know, what's interesting in that, you know, I visualize what I think would be would make the wall in illegal immigration work is that it should be a wall with a door in and people come through the door and then you're processed. This is a free fall. And, you know, even mayors of sanctuary cities that said, oh, yeah, come on in. I mean, now they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're inundated. This is falling apart. It's breaking the system. Yeah, it's not working. Uh, clearly, most Americans feel that whatever we're doing, whether or not it was started under Trump or Biden, it's not working. No, it's not. And, and, it's and but the politicians, why? But they're you know they're yelling, they're screaming, they're posturing. Nothing's getting done. No. Well, I, I must admire uh, Governor Abbott on the Texas border and what he's doing. He's mustering. He now he's building a, a, a camp. I shouldn't say a camp, but a base for the military that he's employing in order to defend the border. And he's going to expand it up and down the Texas coast. And apparently the looks like the United States is accepting this because they're not doing a heck of a lot about it. No, no. Well, they could hire a lot of 65-year-olds. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Boo. So it's such an interesting time, indeed. And, and let's, you know, quite frankly, uh, you know, you have uh, Mayor Adams in New York and you have in, in Chicago. Uh, these, they're amassing tremendous expenses, billions of dollars in order to house yeah. and feed these illegal immigrants. And who's going to pay it for it? I think they're trying to pressure the federal government in order to pick up the tab. Well, if the government federal government doesn't do it, we'll be doing it. We're doing it now. Yeah. It is. You know, it's, it's just strange. There are lots of other countries that have said, no, nobody is coming in. That's just the way it is. Now, I don't think our country is, you know, our founding fathers wanted that. We all came from, from immigrant status. 
Right. But somehow it's run amok. Well, it's because we have the laws on the books. You know, quite frankly, uh, right now Biden is asking for more money to enforce the border and make, you know, the fact of the matter is he simply took a pen and wrote executive orders in order to eliminate all the things that, that Trump had in place in order to protect the border. Those things worked. Uh, staying in Mexico, you just go down the litany and the list of things that uh, he had in place. Biden, uh, without any kind of uh, laws or without any kind of uh, support from Congress, went ahead and annihilated those uh, requirements. And, and uh, so we no longer have Mexico's in, uh, cooperation at the border. And uh, we're the big losers here. So he needs to fix the border problem. And if he wants money for Ukraine and for these other things, uh, he needs to f fix the border first. That should be a requirement. I totally agree. Don't you feel everybody feels that way? Why are we sending money out while we have our own problems? And that was one of the criticisms of Trump, is that they feel that he's too isolationist. Well, uh, I happen to, <laughs> I, you know, if you just take a look at the record, he's the only president in, in, the, in modern history that didn't start some sort of war. Uh, and uh, he actually eliminated some of the points of contention and, and uh, battle that, uh, that existed around the world. So, quite frankly, uh, he's, he, he is, uh, if he's an isolationist, first of all, he quelled anger and uh, violence around the world. And number two, he kept us out of conflict. And that, for me, uh, I'm just very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, this is going to be an interesting year. I think we're going to have politic fatigue. I think you're right, Boo. But uh, back to this uh, this whole notion of people turning 65. We call it, did you call it the silver um, silver tsunami? Silver tsunami. Well, uh, it's a good thing. And for people that have good health and are turning 65, you know, you just you got to feel good for them, especially if they socked away a few bucks so they can live comfortably in their retirement. Well, I, I think a lot of them are doing that. A lot are still working. <clears throat> but a lot are retiring. They have a better quality of life, as I said. They are physically in better shape, mentally in better shape, um, and they want to travel, and they've got the means and the physicality to do it, and yippee ki everybody wins. That's right, and of course, uh, that Social Security checks come in. certainly helps help the uh, retired people as well, so... It's an interesting time. And, of course, uh, Medicare and uh, Medicaid are also supporting the retirees. So the people with the most money here in the United States, they're getting the most support, quite frankly. <laughs> they paid for it, though, of course. Yeah, yeah, they do. It'll be, you know, I have to find out. You know, I'm sure that, I wonder how many people out of all these, uh, this silver tsunami, how many people are actually retiring and becoming an expat, moving to another country. I'm always fascinated that people, when people make the decision to do that. Yeah. I have some friends. They turned 65. He, they both work full-time. They sold their home, their car. all their, They sold everything and bought a boat and lived on a boat yeah. for, I don't know, two years, and then they got sick of living on the boat. Yeah. But to just do a... a I mean, that's a life change. That's significant. I, would, I give people a lot of credit to do that. Well, I do, too. And, of course, my next guest, Seton Motley, uh, actually moved to Belize, and he's loving it down there, just the, the lifestyle and everything that's going on. So, And the last lack of uh, 
intervention into his life by the government. He's just really pleased with that. But, How uh, long has he been living down there? Uh, well, I think about a year at this point, and uh, he's, he's he's pretty darn pleased with it, quite frankly. And of course, the the real migration that's happening is from state to state. We're seeing, for example, Chicago and New York. Uh, kind of, uh, you see some of the people that have means that are paying too much in taxes saying, let's go to Florida, let's go to Texas, let's go other places where it's it's not so tax difficult. Right. Well, yeah, they are. There's certainly, you can certainly tell they're coming down here. Certainly can. Boo Morton, it's always a pleasure. The, uh, the uh, silver tsunami, so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seed Motley in Belize, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and completing a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. going to be absolutely beautiful, opening up in November. Uh, you can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to be visiting with my wife, Linda. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. 
Good morning. I pointed out to our listeners in our previous segment, we talked about people who are living internationally, and Seton is a resident of Belize. How, and the question came up, how long you've been there? About a year? A little over a year, December 10th to 22. I'm, my dog and I moved down here. Um, and I'm not technically a resident. You, you have to come here for a year. The, unlike the U.S., the Belizeans respect their citizenship. And you have to go once a month to an immigration office and pay them 100 U.S. dollars a month. And you have to go every month for a year to prove you're actually living here. Then you apply for, I've applied for permanent residency. Mm-hmm. And then you have to keep going to the immigration office and paying the $100. And after about a year of that process, they, they actually, the cops come and interview your neighbors to see if you're a problem. You know, you have to prove you have m- some money. You're not going to come down here and be a deadbeat. Um, and then after, hopefully after the second year, I'll get permanent resident status. And then you have to wait five years if you want to apply for citizenship. Is that your intention? Do you think you'll be applying for citizenship? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Outstanding. Well, again, so Seton, you wrote a piece that's really interesting. Bloomberg finally realizes reality, and we're talking about the uh, great Bloomberg publication, Commercial Real Estate's Warning Stage. Maybe you could tell us about it. Oh, yeah, Bloomberg's big. It's not great. Um, True. (laughs) uh, um, Yeah, uh, Bloomberg uh, reported on Thursday last week, hey, there's, there's a warning sign in the commercial real estate market. Really, there's the banks in the UK are already collapsing because of this. Yeah, I mean it's like you know what I almost quoted. I almost linked to the uh, YouTube clip of Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been writing about this for months. I've been talking about how there's going to be a huge bank collapse, and this time it's going to be led by the commercial real estate market rather than the residential. But I think it will drag the residential neighbor uh, market into it as well. Uh, Inflation adjusted. In 2008, there were $10 trillion worth of mortgages. Now there's $20 trillion. Wow. The household debt is at an all-time high, of course. Um, There's over a trillion dollars of credit card debt. Again, the banks hold all this debt. And, you know, if, if the commercial real estate goes bad... The, the question is that uh, no one's asking any of this. I don't see anyone discussing this. I don't. I just don't. In fact, this so morning I, the announced, co- I announced that uh, Deutsche Bank just increased the vi- uh, visibility of the S&P 500. They, they upgraded it. So to me, I just – and everything you're saying is uh, like I'm, – I'm, Yeah, uh, yeah. they just said it's going to be they, – they, they, what, what they did was they hiked their estimate of where the Dow is going to be at the end of the year. Right. The stock market. And they said it's going to be higher than they initially thought, which I just, I don't know what they're looking at. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but so my question is, uh, the best number I could find was 2020 was $3.66 trillion in commercial real estate holdings by the banks. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's obviously much higher than that because no one can rent them and no one can sell them. Um, because, you know, hundreds of millions of humans have stopped going into work uh, on a regular basis after the uh, lockdowns. Right. So, so the, 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 that whole landscape, I, I, I've told this before, I think. When I was first, when I was living on the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, um, right when the lockdowns were starting, I ran into a guy, my, my, I lived on the Chesapeake Bay, so you could walk your, you know, you could walk or walk your dog right along the bay. It was a common area. 
And uh, this guy walked by, and he was all excited because his son was just about to graduate with a commercial real estate degree. And I, I managed to stop myself from saying what I thought, which was, why didn't he major in dinosaur husbandry? <laughs> um, it, so it would be just as useful, yeah. um, a, a major. Um, so obviously that's only gotten worse since October of 20, or third quarter of 2020. And, and so now we've got those holdings, and that's, so what do you want to say, $5 trillion from 3.6? Well, that's a conservative estimation. Because um, uh, th- uh, obviously they've added more, more commercial properties have, gone, have, have, have become all, come on the market since then. So say it's $5 trillion. Does that $5 trillion sector collapsing start to trigger runs in other areas, like the, like the residential? Um, it, it might be compartmentalized because these aren't, you know, individual Americans per se, they're, they're businesses, they're corporate holdings, they're, they're corporate headquarters, they're corporate offices, or it's not every person everywhere. Um, but it's, it's getting really bad. And, you know, Yellen talked about it a couple weeks ago in front of Congress, but it's just, it's, it's amazing how, you know, I I guess I said, I watch CNBC every morning, which of course their their propaganda is and every you know keep sending us your money here on wall street keep sending us your money and that's i think what golden Sachs is doing with their upgrade of the of the uh their estimate of the market by the end of the year um that's the whole thing is keep you know you you, you saw wolf of wall street right bob oh, of with, course, with, yeah. uh, with uh, matthew mcconaughey it's all it's all fairy dust it's all ethereal just keep the Keep the churn coming because they we get commissions whether they make money or lose money. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, so, so yeah, I just I, I think I think this is coming. I think they haven't. I think more people, many more people, know this is coming than are talking about it because unlike me, they have a stake in keeping the the illusion going. Yeah, you know. So, um, I, to, so to your I point, think, though, to your point, though, about the commercial real estate splashing on other things like. Uh, home loans and that kind of thing. I'd like to think that it's going to be segmented, although the wild card in all of this is regulators. And once the regulators start getting involved in the process, anything can happen. And not, and not just regulators. We, we want to say government officials, because the last time government got involved in this way, in a major way, was 2008, when they handed the big bank $16.8 trillion as yeah. a bailout. Yeah. And the first thing they did was pay off themselves with huge bonuses for doing such a great job. And then they lobbied Congress. They wrote Dodd-Frank, which destroyed thousands of their small competitors. They got bigger by using our bailout money to buy on the cheap the remnants of the banks they killed with their legislation. Seed Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you visit the website, lessgovernment.org. This is great commentary, Seed, and I think you're absolutely right. There's no way the markets are going to be high if, in fact, these banks begin to go have a run. And I like, can I, real quick, can I throw in one other factor? I, my, my gut tells me in my reading that the reason the market's doing well thus far this year is they're still playing with printed money. Yeah. I think they start running out of printed money this summer. And then things really start getting unattractive. So it's a great, uh, you know, that is great commentary. Again, Seton Motley, lessgovernment.org is the website. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. 
All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their offices. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Is listening to that uh, commercial by Blue Provence just reminds me that this is my wife's Linda, and she's my next guest, actually. It, it, uh, this is her month of celebration. It, it hap- it's, it's longer than a month, usually. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but we have the trifecta going on. We've got um, uh, Valentine's Day, our wedding anniversary, and then the big day, of course, is my birthday. And then it all happens in the course of about 30 days, and so it is a, a wild month of celebration for Yes, Linda. indeed. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. So the truckers now are saying that uh, they don't like the way that uh, uh, Donald Trump is being abused and uh, the lawfare going on in New York. So they're deciding to have a strike. And, or well, they're just not driving into New York City. They're, they're just not, not bringing deliveries into New York City. And I, I think I told you about the example that this one trucker gave on social media yesterday, Twitter or X. Uh, trucker Mike, I think it was, said that this is what happens when truckers... Uh, take charge of a situation. There was a there was a trucker in, in Colorado who was involved in a horrible accident where people died and whatever. And the judge found him guilty of, they, he didn't say the charges, I would say vehicular manslaughter or whatever, whatever it was, drunk, it doesn't matter. 
uh, the judge sentenced him to 110 years in prison. I mean, it was an accident. It wasn't like he did it yeah. maliciously or whatever. So the truckers were so angry that, uh, and they thought that that sentence was so over the top that they shut down, they wouldn't deliver to Colorado. They just wouldn't. They wouldn't go in. They shut the whole state down, so much so that the judge who imposed the 110-year sentence on this man involved in the trucker that was involved in the car accident, he changed the sentence from 110 years to 10 years. It's and that's the impact that the trucking industry has on this country. And people don't realize it, but, oh, by the way, that I had never heard that before, and that was pretty glaring example. Well, and the thing is, there's a shortage of truckers. So, in fact, uh, they exactly. can pretty much call the shots. And if uh, uh, one particular firm that, the, that they're associated with doesn't like their attitude about going into New York, well, they just join another firm. And believe me, their services will be sought out. Well, and, and they just, and if they say, okay, you're fired, you, you're not driving into New York, fine. You're without one trucker, so and and what are you going to do? Yeah. So here. <laughs> and by the way, truckers make good money. Yes, they do. What's interesting? I don't know if you read about this poison pill that uh, Enduron, uh, the uh, judge, I did. In inserted so that apparently, uh, if if in fact Trump decides to appeal, which he's already decided to do, he's going to appeal the uh, decision. Apparently, he has to either put up the money or have a uh, get a bond. For the three hundred and fifty-four, sixty-four million dollars, or whatever it might be, uh, before he can appeal the case, uh, that according to some sources, I don't know if that's how true is that or not. even constitutional? That's not constitutional. He deserves. To, he didn't get a fair day in court, uh, according to the Fourth Amendment, and he's no, not, he didn't. No, he didn't. No. The judge decided his case before it ever went to trial. That's right. I mean, there, there is no, there's nothing in the Constitution that says a judge can decide a case before it goes to trial. Trump was denied a jury. He was denied to, to plead his case. He was denied everything. So tell me, in the whole wide world where there is cons that's constitutional, yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm not an attorney, but I must say it's all totally unfair, and it's uh, unfortunate. These guys are going to get their day in the sun, Letitia James and others, but uh, uh, ultimately... Uh, justice will triumph, in my opinion. Well, it's it's just going to be very interesting. Now, I just saw on the TV as I was walking in here that Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch is saying that he thinks the Supreme Court is going to rule on two of Trump's cases this week, which hmm. would be kind of monumental. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, let's not forget that, you know what, I love Donald Trump so much because, you know what, if any other person was to go against this, they would have folded a long time ago. But because he's so tough right. and and will not stop, he is exposing every single bad guy that ever existed and all their nefarious activities since the beginning. And and they can't they just can't stop him. Right. They can't. Right. So and and let's just talk about that his um his uh true social uh what what's the company that's uh, that's in charge of True Social that just the SEC approved? Well, they just uh, the SEC just approved the merger. I guess it was, or was it the Federal Trade Commission? I'm not sure which. It was the SEC. SEC. Yeah. Was, uh, apparently, multi-billion dollar. Four to be exact. Four billion. Four dollar, plus. Four billion dollar uh, merger. And like you said. Um, that after we talked about that earlier, when we saw the SEC had approved it, you said, "Well, Donald Trump can pay Edgaron out of his." petty cash after yeah. this. 
Well, of course, because uh, Trump, I, I don't know if the deal is going to be in stock or cash, probably in stock, but irrespective, he's, he's going to end up owning 58% of the company after the merger. So uh, pretty impressive, Donald. He's, and how about selling the sneakers? I thought that was so Oh, my cool. goodness. Was that just... That was so cool, and and what basically what it was is just getting into Generation Z, and uh, uh, the, these people, of course, are all into the sneaker thing, and that's that's just really his entree into this this generation. When he went to SneakerCom last weekend, which is all Gen X, Gen Z, uh, young people, whatever, and he walked in holding those gold yeah. tennis shoes, the entire audience lit up and they were screaming trump 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 those things sold out in one hour yeah and the one guy who wanted the donald trump signed gold tennis shoes paid nine thousand dollars for them and he says i was i didn't care how much it was i was having those tennis shoes and oh by the way they're pretty snazzy looking, and if they made them for women i'd be interested in a, a little pair of those things they come in this most beautiful box, which is lined in felt. But inside the box, lined with felt, is not only the gold, or not only the gold tennis shoes, but gold tissue paper. Wow! How classy is that? So he only—they had a limited edition of these shoes. Thousand. A thousand shoes. Thousand. A thousand, thousand pairs. Thousand pairs. So uh, they're gone. And by the way, this is all happening while Nike is laying off two percent of its work <laughs> workforce. So Trump's starting a business, and uh, you know he's just amazing. And he's so he's so confident. And oh, by the way, let's not forget that there's a GoFundMe page put up by Trump supporters to help him with his his uh, New York uh, legal fees. Legal fees, which is up to almost a million dollars now, which is pretty cool, in my opinion. I got. I had to think his legal fees have to be way beyond a million. dollars. Oh, I know, but but it, I know that. But it. But oh, there's a businessman in New York, a, a billionaire, who's offered to pay, um, one or two million dollars of his legal fees. I mean, the fact that the matter is that America's stepping up, and they they see the, they see the, um, uh, the um. The travesty of what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. The the two tier justice system that's going on here. They see that Biden's getting away with every which way to Sunday. Um, can we just talk one second about this um, Ukraine thing, which I think is so hysterical? Sure. I think that the Democrats are absolutely in a total little black sambo tiger moment. They are in a to- remember the the the. Uh, of course, the tale where the tigers, little black sambo, I don't remember the whole story, but the little the tigers um, wrapped their, their tails together and walked around in a circle and turned to butter. Yeah. The Democrats are beside themselves because a they can't stop Trump. They they don't know what to do. They're exposing themselves every day. There's another. We talk about this every week. Every day there's a new person exposing himself for um, about what a dirtbag he is in Congress, but they. They can't get this Ukraine bill passed. Uh, they can't, and, and they're just like, "Wait, what? Yeah. We, you know, all this money that we were promised, and and oh, it, I, it's, it's 
joyful to watch. It really is. You know what? I, we run out of time before we run out of things to talk about. But I genuinely appreciate your commentary thoughts here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. And Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>